Hello everybody and welcome to the Spoiler Warning Podcast. This is review number 270 with a review of Out of the Furnace. I'm Christopher Schneese. I'm Carson Patrick. And if you're joining us for the first time, the Spoiler Warning Podcast is a weekly film review program. Each week in the show, Carson Patrick and I are going to dive in, debate, discuss, and argue over the latest film releases coming to a theater near you. Here we are to talk about Out of the Furnace, as I just said a second ago. So, yes. how's it going tonight, Carson? Or this afternoon, this morning? This morning, pretty good. <laughs> We got all the bases covered. Yeah, so every, far. Every time of the day. So the, yes. uh, the uh, like last night or the day before that or whatever, I messaged Carson uh, with a, <laughs> with a screenshot of a little show that we've talked a few times about on this podcast, and uh, he insists that I uh, say something about it on the show. Yeah, um, we're, we're gonna connect all this together back right, to the movie. I'm I'm hoping that it's gonna get connected back to the movie. Oh no, it it won't be like some awkward hey. You know what goes with princesses? Gangsters. Yeah, yeah like it, it won't be Frozen review. Um, so anyways, uh, a long time ago, you know, this little show called Hostages came out. And this was one of the regal first look um, things that I was like, I'm going to watch this damn crap because Dylan McDermott's in it. And uh, this is going to be ridiculous. And It's you on the regal first look, so it's mandatory watching. Yeah, although I think Mob City also was at least one time on the regal first look, and I didn't watch oh. it. So. But then you you watched it, so we're all all our bases are covered. Yeah, it's so. covered. So, but anyways, so I started watching Hostages, and I said it was kind of ridiculous, you know, when we were watching it, and I was kind of just watching it because I wanted to. <laughs> because you were hate uh, watching it. I was trying to make it a guilty pleasure, <laughs> and I, and I think over the course of the episodes, they started doing some interesting things. Just the uh, the setup, like they they started you know, branching out of the main plot of, like, we have to assassinate the president by killing him during the surgery that he has to have into, like, you know, the the conspiracy got more and more complex and it got to be the point where, like, people within the conspiracy were trying to take out other people in the conspiracy. Um, yeah. Because it was basically, like, one of those things where, like, okay, plan A is kill the president during surgery. And if anything fails, A, we got to move to plan B. And B, we have to take everybody who's part of plan A and get rid of them because they are you know like they're not doing it anymore a and and i don't know why i keep using a and b but basically it's if you fail at your task they got to kill you because you're a loose end um that's sort of like how the plot started to develop and then you had like complexities of the interpersonal relationships between characters um that were causing the fact that they were being stuck at home and still having to go to school um created complex issues for their their Basically, when, when people are holding you hostage and other people in the world need to think you're not being held hostage, that creates problems. So they were doing some interesting things that, well, I can't, like, I would never recommend people be watching this show, but watching it myself, I was semi-entertained by it. And then I hit the, the last 30 seconds of episode 11, and uh, I'm going to say a what I'm assuming is a pretty big spoiler. So if you're a fan of the show and you haven't watched episode <laughs> 11, which aired, I think, last week or the week before that... Um, then, uh, you know, take a two-minute break and don't listen to the next thing I'm going to say. But for everybody else, um, the main doctor chick uh, at the end of this episode kisses Dylan McDermott's character, who is her hostage person, taker person. <laughs> so, like, this Obviously. whole... Obviously. Stockholm whole, Syndrome. No, seriously, like, hardcore. And, and it's not, like, I, I kind of... Like, at this point in the series, the doctor has realized that, like, if she is to take out Dylan McDermott or to stop the president from dying, that her whole family is probably going to be killed because they're, they're like, 
loose loose ends. So at this point, she is sort of on team Dylan, Dylan McDermott. Like she is kind of like, oh, I have to help him succeed in his goal because the, you know, if the president dies, who at this point we learned is kind of not the best of people, <laughs> mm, um, then uh, that's a, that pales in comparison to her family dying. So like she's sort of on that team, but the fact that they just like, and make out time, they have kissed. I mean, it, her, her husband was having an affair. So like, that's, that's fine from their marital relationship. <laughs> she's getting back at him. <laughs> no, no, no. I mean, so it's like, it's not like everything's super crazy now. Um, but it is just, it's kind of ridiculous why they had to go there. I don't know why they did. That uh, seems typical though, of like this kind of show, like they have to introduce like a new element to fill some more, the, whatever amount of time they have left before the season ends but if she was a mother if she was just a if like if she was a single parent like her her husband was gone out of the picture a long ass time ago um i would have been more inclined to just go with it but it just feels weird that like this woman who is like basically at one point in the series she is home free but her husband something happens to her husband that forces her to come back to help him out so it's like if she's making all these sacrifices to try and keep her husband alive, why would she then be like, nope, I'm into this dude now? I have no idea. That just seems like a ploy to, to uh, you know, have keep her family safe or something. Yeah, I, or I to keep you to keep you watching. Well, I mean, I, I'm I'm still watching it because at this point it is sort of a guilty pleasure. Like I've crossed that barrier in like semi enjoying it. Um, but it, it it's like it's it's seriously like every single episode they introduce a character and in the very next episode you figure out that that character is like part like a higher up level in the conspiracy and like it, it's the conspiracy is so ridiculous now and there's been so many twists that like I just gotta like yeah. I don't know if it's give them credit or just like it's. It's fun to watch for me now at this point because it's just so ridiculous. Like, just hearing everything, I feel like this show would just have been better off doing, like, the BBC Sherlock mode where it's just three, like, 90-minute segments and then it's done, you know? Like, it's not, like, a drawn-out 15-episode season or whatever. Well, like, what's crazy is the... The episode, it was either the same episode that ended like, the, it might have been episode 11 or episode 10, but the whole plot of that episode was protecting the president. <laughs> so, <laughs> so like, basically, the, the people who are higher up in the conspiracy deemed that, like, their secret ploy to, like, kill him during surgery wasn't going to work. So their plan was to, like, assassinate the president and take out the rest of their team. So they have to, like, save the president so that he can't die, so that they're still in play. Um it was pretty it, like it's it's writing like that that is just insane enough to make me like super interested in the show well i know something that you'll definitely be interested in because when i went to see out of the furnace the movie you were about to review i saw a trailer for a movie now don't get me wrong like i was i'm totally gonna watch the shit out of this movie but this is like the schnaziest movie i've ever seen a trailer <laughs> for like so not only does uh, our pal Dylan McDermott show up in this trailer for a movie that's called Freezer, but it takes the much-loved concept of being trapped somewhere 
and it's basically buried but in an industrial <laughs> in <a> freezer <laughs> nice like at a restaurant at like a big ass like like the jurassic park freezer uh like the scene where they're in the kitchen didn't they already uh, do this on seinfeld i don't know I, yeah so basically freezer is a movie that i saw a trailer for and i was laughing so hard it's like this is a movie that is just that needs to be watched. Uh, but yeah, it's like Dylan McDermott gets like, he wakes up and he's in this like big industrial freezer. He doesn't know why he's been put there. And then there's like this Russian chick who's all like, you know, is the one who put him there. And she's like, oh, you're bad. And then like a guy shows up. He's been like been chilling in the freezer. It's ridiculous, dude. Like I was like, this is, uh, I'm going to watch this. I think you should go watch the trailer after we're done. Cause it's pretty hilarious. I'm like clicking around trying to find the trailer and it's, Apparently new enough and a, and, and a small enough movie that uh, it's it the trailer is not all over Google. Mm, it said it was coming to theaters January seventeenth, and by theaters I probably probably like one theater in in LA or something. Uh, it'll probably be on video like a week later, but uh, yeah, but yeah, it looks uh, pretty entertaining. All right, well, uh, I will definitely check out the trailer for that, and I will weigh in on it when I can. Um, I think the, uh, I'll have to look at the the poster had a pretty good tagline. I can't remember what it was, though, on IMDb. It was like, only the cold-blooded survive or something like that. <laughs> I was like, this is hilarious. Cool. So, yeah. Well, speaking of cold-blooded, who may or may not survive... <laughs> <laughs> yeah we are here this week to talk about a little film called out of the furnace which uh i know when i first saw the trailer uh it definitely th- th- this appeared to be one of those like just slow burn films with great acting and uh intense uh stuff happening to tight-knit family members and uh yeah it was weird it's one of those things where like i just i was like that movie looks good like it didn't necessarily excite me um, in that, like, oh yeah, I really want to see into the, or out of the furnace, but it, it, but it was like, I bet you out of the furnace is a good movie. Um, I don't know what, what, what did you think when yeah. you first saw the trailer? Yeah, I mean, it looked like it would be a good flick. Uh, you know, all the actors involved and uh, the fact that it's you know, kind of this like revenge type of story and yeah, you know, Pearl Jam like coming in, you're like, <laughs> gotta get my flannel shirt and my rifle. I'm gonna go kill some hillbillies. Uh, but yeah. <laughs> cool. Um, well, uh, what do you say we play the trailer for Out of the Furnace while we go put on our flannel shirts and uh, yes, get, get my hunting rifle. Get our rifles, yeah. Cool. We will be right back. Enjoy the trailer, and then we'll give you our review. I like this one. He's tough. Makes me want to jump in there with you. See who walks out. I just need the money. Boy was always trouble. I love him. Since he was a little kid. Come work at the mill. Nothing wrong with working for a living. Working for a living? I gave my life for this country. But what's it done for me? Huh? What's it done for me? I'm gonna do this one last fight, and then I'll be done. Showtime. Oh, 
Russell. They haven't been able to find your brother. They aren't gonna look for Rodney? No. It's a whole nother world up in there. Don't read a justice and it does not include us. This guy, he haunts those mountains. Ah! sins, O oh Lord, the sins of my youth, the sins of my age, the sins of my soul. We're brothers, and we're all we got. So that was the trailer for Out of the Furnace. This is the story of two brothers, one of which is, you know, just the hardworking man works in the uh, works in the furnace <laughs> yes. at the steel mill. Uh, mill. And uh, his brother is, uh, you know, a, a younger guy who, you know, served in like four tours of Iraq or whatever. And he's sort of he's he doesn't feel like he wants to come home and do the, you know, work for the man or anything like that. So he gets himself involved in just just some uh, boxing and stuff like that. And he, uh, you know, is he owes a lot of money to a lot of people and sort of gets himself in with the wrong crowd. And his brother is trying to find out what has happened to him. Because he's been missing, and <laughs> it's like it's like bare knuckle fighting. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's not even boxing. Well, he starts off where it's not bare knuckle. You know, you can you can at least yeah. wear like wraps and stuff like that. But then he goes to a place where, you know, the shit hits the fan. It, and it's, it's like the it's like the redneck version of like the fights in snatch or something. You know. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's basically the Fight Club. <laughs> <laughs> it's like the hillbilly Fight Club. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, so Christian Bale, who plays the older brother, has to go off and try to figure out what the hell happened and, uh, you know, try to make things right. So, Carson, what did you think of this film? Uh, I think this movie uh, could have used some laughs because it's very, very sobering. Yeah. And uh, very, very uh, downtrodden. Uh, this, this movie <laughs> makes prisoners look like upbeat. Uh, so, so since, it, since it's such a sobering movie, if Christian Bale's character would have watched it before the beginning of the film, maybe half of this film wouldn't have had to happen. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, like, no joke. Like, I like had fun, more fun watching, like, Prisoners than this movie. Uh, and that was a pretty uh, dark movie. Uh, this is, uh, and I don't think... Because I think there are two there are two ways. Like you can do a movie that's just completely, you know, depressing and dark, and have it be enjoyable. You know, like cinematic wise, that is an example. Like this year in Prisoners or Twelve Years a Slave, um, but in this film is like the wrong way I think of going about doing this kind of piece because. 
it almost feels like it's so serious that it feels forced, you know? Or it feels like the people who made the movie have, like, no experience or and no idea of, like, blue-collar work or, like, this kind of life. They just kind of heard about it somewhere and then, like, formed an opinion and, like, wrote it based on that. Like, it's just... Like, it kind of has that feeling, you know, like if, like, a white guy from the suburbs tried to make a movie about, you know, <laughs> people growing up in the hood. Like, it's just... It's just a, it just has that kind of feeling where it, it does not come off as authentic. Um, and it, it almost feels like, you know, it's very, like, almost like a sledgehammer to the face, like, in terms of, like, look how hard the working man is, you know, and, like, look how bad the economy is. And uh, uh, I think... Uh, I think there's a lot of comparisons, at least in my mind, there were a lot of comparisons in this movie to Killing Them Softly, which a movie you did not like, but I did. Uh, but I think in that movie, you know, they had a lot of the uh, a lot of the political nature in there, but I felt like it was more of like an angry, satirical statement, like I'm just a middle finger to the audience the whole time and to like that kind of stuff. But I feel like there is similar stuff in out of the furnace but it feels more like yes we're making statements like casey affleck can't go like one step without someone saying like you know he was in iraq like he did like four <laughs> tours in iraq it's like yeah we know like and and that's another thing is that like the acting i mean all the actors in this movie are great like they've done amazing work and you know christian bale is pretty tremendous in this film like i think it's interesting seeing him play like the kind of uh i don't want to say subdued but like usually he's playing like the crazy guy like he'd be playing like the casey affleck role you know and yeah and like really like getting method and going crazy uh you know it's kind of like in the fighter he played you know the coke brother and uh it's kind of like he took the mark Wahlberg role in the fighter like he's like the <laughs> one who's like he's got his head on his shoulders you know like he's like the he you know he's the one he's like he's doing the family business almost like he's doing the same job his dad did and like he's yeah. kind of like you know he's kind of like the cool head or whatever and i think that was like you know it was interesting seeing him play that kind of role because he's always like usually like the very like aggressive uh you know hothead type or whatever um and there are some scenes that are really effective like i thought Probably, like, the best scene in this whole movie is the scene where he uh, and Zoe Saldana are on a bridge and they kind of have, like, a reconnecting. Um, I think that's a really good scene. Um, yeah. And the only thing, the only scene, really, I feel like that comes off as authentic in terms of, like, like human interaction. Because I, I feel like the stuff with Casey Affleck, uh, he's supposed to be obviously traumatized from his time in the military and I get, like, I understand, like, this obviously a, that's a problem, but I feel like in every movie that tries to portray soldiers coming back home from uh, the Middle East, it's always the same, and it always feels very, like, forced and over the top, and it just does not feel true at all. Like, it just it just seems very phony. Uh, and, and, and overall, like, the story in Out of the Furnace isn't that interesting. Like, it's... It's a pretty 
like bare bones standard story. Like there's kind of like a half baked revenge story in there, and uh, but it all feels really limp. And at, at some point, it gets very very tedious. Like the pacing in this movie, like you said, it is a slow burn, but it's not a good slow burn. It's a very uh, uh, tedious slow burn. It, it pushes your uh, patience. Uh, a lot of the times and you know I don't think the way that it resolves is anything that is successful and or satisfying to me the audience member in my opinion like I I thought that and maybe we can get into it like some spoilers but there's definitely some stuff in the end that I thought just seemed very like I don't want to it, it just seemed like it was it was there and it shouldn't have been there uh but uh yeah like it is it, this was a real uh unfortunate misfire like i i i thought that uh that that pearl jam song that's in the trailer and that they play during the film they kind of bookend the film with that song i i almost thought they should have just played that at every chance they could have got like some bad 80s movie like in Arthur, when they just played that Christopher Cross song, like at every turn, uh, something like that. Like I, I don't know, like anything for to to get like some kind of like enjoyment out of it. Because like I said, you can do somber like just straight, but then there's also like the depressing with you know you could do like dark but with levity. Like I like I in the same day I went and saw inside Lewin Davis and that's a super dark movie but it's hilarious too like any Coen Brothers movie there's always like dark themes but it's always like very funny you know like even when it's being very gritty or or dealing with that kind of subject matter like there's always like there there's always something there to like kind of not uplift you but like there's there's levity in it like you know interspersed but yeah I uh was not a fan of this movie. All right. Well, uh, I am going to have to fight you on a few little things. Um, not not like overly strongly, but first off on the Casey Affleck character, uh, I don't think he's traumatized by the war at all. I think he's pissed that he keeps getting stop lost or whatever and has to keep going back, even though he's technically fulfilled his duty. Um, and it's it, there's no traumatization. Like if you're traumatized by violent acts, you don't go put yourself in fist fighting arenas. And it'd be different if like he's just trying to be alone in a bar and people assault him and he just goes crazy and like beats the shit out of people. He's like, oh, what did I just do? Like maybe if that sort of thing was happening, I would I would agree that he is traumatized by something. But he's clearly just like he's back. He's pissed. He thinks he's done all he has to do. Like he thinks the government owes him. I'm like I don't I don't think this film is overly political. Like I don't like he says a few things like his brother is specifically saying like you should work for a living and the only time he says like what did this country ever do for me was because his brother's pressing him on actually working for a living and he's saying like dude I just worked for the last several years of my life and now the government's not giving me anything like I I put in my dues and I shouldn't have to go work now like so I I don't think that's a message of this film I don't think that like political no, I angle. I don't think it's a like a message, but I think they're definitely making like some statements with that time period. But I think the statements are only made when challenged by a character who is trying to make a statement of his own like, "Hey, like look at me. Like I've been to prison already, but when I come out, I still get a job. I can give you a job. You need to be responsible and do do work." Like it's like I think that 
Like it is. Yeah. It is it, I mean, it's not. It's not a focal point of the movie. I just thought it was something that I picked up on that I thought was uh, was something that you know to me it didn't even seem necessary to the story, other than the fact that you know he was in the military. Well, it's it's very necessary to the story because it, he otherwise he just has to be a guy with a gambling addiction. Like it. No, 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 I'm just saying, like in terms of like the the period that it's set in and stuff. You know, like he could have, the war could have been over and he could have just been like still dealing with the side effects or whatever. And you think that would be better or worse? No, I'm just saying like that could have been another alternative. Yeah. And I'm asking if that, if that would be better or worse in your mind. I don't know. I don't know. Cause I, I, I like the way they handled it. Um, and then on the, on the other big point that you made is I don't feel like this, feels that forced at all i mean you and i have definitely grown up in in major cities and we're not we're like we don't quite know what it's like to be you know backwoods of some like factory town and stuff like that but i have been to places like that where where it's like you have to drive 45 minutes to get to like what we would consider to be a mall that we could find if we threw a rock somewhere um or where like the only jobs in your town are a walmart or the factory that makes like washing machines or something like that um and like i like this town it's it's sort of like in a way it was sort of like the town from Homefront, which is a surprise you didn't bring up <laughs> because you seem to like to bring up things that are that are portrayed better than Homefront or whatever um, but it feels a little bit like that town which is like a very small town where everybody works in the factory and everyone else just works to support the town, and that's it. And then the neighboring town is where all this, like, you know, up in the hills is where all this crazy crap is happening. But, I don't know, for me, the the whole dynamic of, like, Christian Bale is this guy who is sort of just, he has to work for a living, and then one night he makes a mistake, and that, that you know, puts him in, in jail for four years or whatever he said it is. And then he comes out, and he's sort of like, well, I'm just going to go back to working again because that's all the only choice I really have. And he's yeah. sort of looking at the accidental mistakes he did and then seeing, looking at his little brother and like how his his little brother is, you know, making his own mistakes in different ways. And like he, like, I don't, I don't think there is this, like, I don't think the film is really about this spectacle. I mean, you said the story is really like not a lot happens. And that's true because I think this is all about a, a defeated person existing in a defeated world i mean like it's it's a very cynical movie and i think that no matter what happens to christian bales like he he is just experiencing the world and realizing like no i'm just gonna have to work every day and keep working and come home and have a few beers at night and keep my house up and that's really my entire life and i don't have anything more than that but that's just the way life is so i guess i'll deal with that like i don't know there's something like even in even in my non- backwoods life like in a major city there's still some some aspects of my life where i'm i'm like okay like i gotta work during the day and then i come home and i have enough time to like make dinner or whatever and then i have to figure out something to do with the rest of my evening and then just restart the cycle again like there there is an aspect to the the trivialness of life in general even if like i mean obviously we we would be considered privileged like we are in nice big cities we have jobs that allow us to live in these big cities. We're not forced to like do manual labor every day, like in some factory where you have to wear heat shielding and stuff like that. Um, But there's still like, I just, I don't know. It was easy for me to sympathize with and uh, identify with Christian Bale's character in general. And like, 
even as the events take place, like you said, there was sort of a half-assed revenge tale in there, and it is, but it's not, it, it, I don't know, there's something interesting about the way they do it, like, it's, it's not just, I'm super pissed, I'm gonna go, like, murder a bunch of folks, it's not like Liam Neeson, like, you took my brother, ah! Yeah, no, it's it's not like that. What it is, is, is it's sort of like this, it's almost like Christian Bale's like, this just has to happen. It's not that he will feel better afterwards. I mean, this is especially like in those, in those final moments of the film, like it's just a lot of contemplating, like n- there's no, n- nothing to be gained from doing this, but I guess maybe I should be doing it. Like it's, it's, is this justice? Is it not justice? Is it vengeance? Is it not vengeance? Is it sort of just like, whatever, this is, this is how I feel I should act, whether or not like, I don't, there, I don't know, there's this weird air of ambiguity with the film that for me worked, and just, I don't know, I like, I, I really enjoyed it, not from the, this was fun, because it was not fun at all, but I just, it didn't feel over the top, it didn't feel like uh, smashing me in the face, it just felt like uh, this story of not great situations, and those not great situations getting less great. Um, and it worked for me in that way. Not like, you know, you compared it to, um, what was the other film that you compared it to? Was it Killing Them Softly? Yeah. Yeah. Like in, in that film, that felt like there was a message as opposed to just watching these people. And well, I mean, that it, it's sort of hard to compare it because in Killing Them Softly, it was, it, the story wasn't being told, but from the lesser guy's point of view, it was being told from like the people who were doing all the killing and stuff like that. So, right, um, right. In, in this, it's sort of like you know, like the 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 one guy that comes um, that Brad Pitt goes and talks to. This is like that story told from his point of view instead of from Brad Pitt's point of view. Um, yeah, but like I think that what made me think of Killing Them Softly, what other than the fact that it's supposed to take place in you know that two thousand eight recession period and. Um, is it the fact that, you know, the anger that Casey Affleck has, his character has in this movie, I feel like Killing Them Softly is that movie, but told, like, in a much better way. Like, I think, like, Brad Pitt's speech at the end of Killing Them Softly is, like, a very, like, F you, like, to the system speech, and that's kind of like how Casey Affleck acts in this movie, and I, and I do think that he's suffered some trauma for sure Uh, obviously he is definitely pissed at the government but uh i think he's definitely you know you know know, yeah he doesn't want to go back but like he's definitely seen some things that have changed him um and and like like i said anytime they really kind of portray that it feels it feels phony like it never feels to me at least And 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 you know like i obviously you know i'm not trying to sit here to say like i have knowledge of it or you know experience obviously i don't and i don't know maybe this is authentic authentic to uh you know real life small town life but uh in terms of like movie standpoints there are certain other movies you can point to that you can say that you know this represents that culture or you know character in a much better fashion like i think this movie you know i didn't bring up homefront because i think that this movie has a lot more ties and and uh inspiration from something like the deer hunter which is takes place in virtually almost an identical town uh and but i think that that sort of lens that it's told through and that you know representation is just a lot 
better executed. And uh, it's interesting that this movie kind of, like, there isn't a lot of, you know, obviously it takes place in present day and present time, obviously. and uh, But you do see a lot of the fact that, like, you know, it kind of feels like old-fashioned in a way because, you know, you don't really see... You see people talking on cell phones and stuff, but it's not, like, in your face, you know? Well, like... Uh, I, I, so it kind of has that, like, throwback feel a little bit, but uh, I don't think it's, like, as... I don't know. To me, it's it's not as strong as, like, a movie that it's going for, like like The Deer Hunter or something. Well, I guess for me the difference is that, like, I, I don't necessarily think that this film was... Um, you know, uh, common for that type of life, but I thought it was authentic for this character. Like, I I found it completely believable that this person, not that everybody in this town has this exact same life, but that this person is a, quote, real person in a, quote, real town under, quote, real circumstances. And, um, like, I, I, I never, it never rang false for me because I, I felt that that could be real without it being, like, the extreme of something that's real like it's just a person who has unfortunate circumstances but there's like a lot of like inch like for me the way they're telling his story is interesting like if you just look where um you know he he it's constantly him in the factory in the steel mill um and then you know an event happens and he gets thrown in jail and like the event happens and we don't see him arrested we just cut him to him, we just cut to him working again and now he's like soldering something on some pipe and then he turns around and he has department of corrections on his back and it's yeah. like even though he's in prison he's still doing the same thing that he would have been doing if he was out of prison and it's yeah. like there's this weird thing of like for him being thrown in prison wasn't really that big of a deal because it's sort of the same as what he was doing on the outside yeah. for, for but but the way they subvert that is that his he's been uh i mean i don't I don't know how much of a spoiler this is, but he's taking care of a, a, um, a, an, a his dad is basically really sick. Um, well, and, he's sick from working in the steel mill. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, just I mean, he's on his deathbed basically. So, yeah, so yeah. for him, the worry of being thrown in prison is not oh crap, I'm in prison now. It's that like I'm he the only there. yeah I'm the only one who's really taking care of my dad. My brother's not really helping out that much. You know, my uncle comes. Uh, when he can but like he's the primary caretaker for him so for him the like the two biggest things about being thrown in prison that that are worrisome for him is somebody needs to take care of his dad and what's going to happen to his girlfriend like those are those are the only those are the only two consequences of him being in prison not that like he's being in prison because there's no change between being on the outside and being on the inside so i I don't know there's something there's something interesting there I think like at the beginning of this film, you know, I was, it wasn't like I was immediately turned off. Cause I think like in the beginning it's going along and like, you know, you can kind of get into it. Cause that opening scene with uh, Woody Harrelson, his introduction uh, is pretty wonderfully bizarre. Like at the, other than the fact that they're at a drive-in watching midnight me train, uh, but just like what happens and you're just like, okay, this is the bad dude and this is how it's going to be. But then it just, I think if once like Christian Bale gets out of prison, it just becomes like an immense slog to the finish line. Um, but I, I mean, I agree that I, I did like the fact that you know uh, there it was kind of unexpected in the way that they were telling that, and I did like the fact that you know they're trying to show you like yeah, like his life is pretty sucky, you know, in or out. <laughs> um, 
but yeah, but then it came to a point where it just it it really just fizzled until the end, and that's when it just became very tedious to me. And uh, and and it's interesting that you brought up, you know, like that people can get stuck in the same cycle in their lives and. Uh, you know, you, you, you go through like basically you go to work, you come home, eat, and then maybe do something, but then you go to sleep uh, and then do it all over again. Uh, and obviously, you know, you haven't seen the movie, but like it's so weird that like I went and saw Inside Lewin Davis before on the same day as this movie because I feel like that it approaches like that exact uh, type of thing where like you're, you, you know, your life is uh you know you the, or the cycle of life and you know it's a very very cynical uh, you know outlook on it and but i feel like that movie is done so much better and like with so much uh like more grace and everything and and this movie is just like the the polar opposite but uh yeah yeah i feel like that that like to me was like it was weird because i was like watching almost kind of the same like look at a, like a person's life but it was just like told like completely differently and like one was definitely like the superior yeah so i don't know maybe i was biased when i went into out of the furnace because i had already been spoiled i don't know i mean i i would say that's possible but uh it doesn't seem like uh this is getting the biggest critical reception so no, it's not really. So yeah, I mean it's like in the fifties, right? On Rotten Tomatoes. Yeah, it's like a fifty-two or something like that. And I think viewers put it in like sixties, but yeah, yeah, it's not being that well received, and I I, no. I can understand that. Uh, I can understand people not enjoying it, but for me, it just worked as an experience. Um, so yeah, yeah. I mean, it's definitely not like there's not really any moments of excitement in this film. It's it. It is very slow paced and it's very sloggy, but I think that the um, the weight of what's going on is um, is I guess greater than the sum of the parts of the film. I guess. Yeah. So, all right. Well, uh, did did you act? Are there actual legitimate spoiler things that you want to talk about? Well, I don't think we have to get into it. We can maybe talk about it off the... I mean, it's it's virtually just about the last shot, and I was left kind of... It's one of those things where it's like, there's obviously meaning to it, and I just left going like, I'm either too stupid or I just don't care. Um, but it was weird because I went online um, to like the message boards on IMDb, and there were a lot of responses saying like, yeah, I don't know why that was even there, like... Like, I think it means this, but it doesn't really seem clear just from the way that it was presented. Gotcha. So I I was like, oh, okay, like, I I guess I'm not that stupid, unless everyone is just stupid, I don't know, but... Well, I don't, I don't necessarily know that I have anything to input on that, so I... I mean, I just felt like it was kind of unnecessary, but... Yeah, that's fine. We'll, we'll save yeah. it for off-air conversation. <laughs> yeah. Um, so let's just get to our verdict, Carson. Uh, if you were going to give this a must-see, a recommend with a caveat, a wait for rental, a pass with a caveat, or a must-avoid, what would you give it? Uh, I would give it a pass. Like I, I don't think it's a terrible film, but it is very, it is very tedious at times, and uh, it's unfortunate. But uh, it feels very muddled, and basically, 
the the best scene in this movie is that bridge scene so that that's worth pointing out all right um i yeah it's a weird film like i i think it's i think this is a good movie um i it's it's not fun it's not necessarily enjoyable but i think it's i think it's well made and uh, people don't seem to be agreeing with that, so I'm gonna give it a uh, wait for rental. Uh, I think it's one of those things where uh, if somebody sees it and was like, "Oh, so I just rented and watched this," then I could talk with them about it. Um, but it's not something that, like, if somebody was like, "Oh, should I see this?" I I would probably respond to them, "Well, I'm the only person I know that liked it." <laughs> <laughs> um, so I will just I will just give it a wait for rental. Um, but that just being like let it be known that i thought it was good so i mean there i've seen some other reviews online that have given it pretty high marks but i guess it's just however you you know however it affects a certain individual i don't know yeah i i mean i i feel like like this is uh this is like a if you took all the excitement out of place beyond the pines and removed all the like the overly convenient story elements it basically reduced everything that a lot of people liked about place beyond the finds. You would be left over with this movie. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. <laughs> um, you take out all the things that were interesting about place beyond. And that's kind of what out of the furnace is. Yeah. Which is, which is funny because I believe you liked that movie and I didn't. Right. Yeah. I mean, I, I think that was a great movie. Yeah. So yeah. there we go. <laughs> Um, but, uh, yeah, I think that's going to do it for this review. So Carson, if people want to find you throughout the week, where can they do that? Uh, you can go to practicalcandy.wordpress.com. People can find me at christopherinreallife.com or twitter.com slash christopherirl. You can find the podcast over at thespoilerwarning.com where you can get all the back episodes of the show. You can follow us on Twitter at twitter.com slash spoilerwarning to figure out when all these episodes go live or like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash thespoilerwarning. If you want to get a hold of us directly, you can send an email to fans at thespoilerwarning.com or call leave us a voicemail at 760-575-4TSW. That's 760-575-4879. Music for this episode will come from the soundtrack to Out of the Furnace, if that's available. So, cool. And there's a helicopter flying over. I don't know if you can hear that, but apparently they're, com- I, they're coming for me. <laughs> Uh, what's on the docket next week, Carson? I'm gonna drop you in the furnace. Uh, next week is the the Hobbit, the Des- Desolation of Smaug. Is that already here? That is here, part two. That is, or part. It's not. Yeah. It's it's not even over yet. <laughs> part one point five. <laughs> Damn it! Yeah. Uh, all right, so w- when that third film comes out, is it technically still gonna be part of the Hobbit, or is it gonna be? It's just. Uh, yeah, I think I think it's like partially the last bit of the hobbit and then they've incorporated bits from like the silmarillion and uh stuff that will bridge the gap between hobbit and uh fellowship of the ring gotcha so they've kind of like combined the two but uh, i think they're yeah they're supposed to be like whatever's left of the hobbit that's not covered in the yeah. second movie are they still um, doing the bs 48 frames crap oh yeah yeah I think I'm going to see it in regular 2D. I, I'm going to skip <laughs> No that. 48 frames. Yeah, I'm going to skip that bull crap. <laughs> I'm going to move you past this me. crap. <laughs> yeah, 2D is enough for me. Uh, 
Uh, yeah, I'm going to see it the way it was intended in 2D. <laughs> I'm going to see it the way it was intended. I'm going to read it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Anyways, I think that's this episode. So we will see you guys next week with our review of The Hobbit Part 2. Later. <laughs>